Okay, welcome back to the United Pubcast. Back in the pub, um, fortunately or unfortunately, not sure um, how I should look at it, but Larry's not with me today. I do have Josh, who is obviously a regular of the Pubcast, back with us. So um, I wanted to get this out, obviously, as a weekly podcast on a Tuesday morning, Sydney time. It is mon- pretty late on a Monday night for a little bit past my bedtime. So um, it is late on a Monday evening, but we do want to get this sort of pub chat out for you first thing Tuesday for your trip to work. So, um, Josh... Good to see you, mate, as always. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Really good to be back. It's been a while since I've been on the podcast, but always always love being on it. Um, look, it's great great to see the podcast grow, as it has over the past couple of past couple of years. I was there for the first episode, and to see it now on so many different platforms is, is really great to see, and hopefully this new wave of content will be, will be what the fans want. Ah, good to hear. Thank you very much for the kind words. But in regards to that new wave of content, in regards to... As we've alluded to, the new direction this audio podcast is going to take is away from your transfer. Transfers obviously touch on it, but away from your match previews, reviews, etc. That'll obviously all stay on the YouTube platform. But just sort of those more random chats in regards to last week, we're talking about which treble was better. So maybe next week we'll be looking at a player and the player's career sort of thing or an issue around Old Trafford, the stadium sort of thing. Some of those more unique and in-depth chats. Um, compared to sort of your, your sort of breaking news, etc. But as I said, it's um, it's late on a Monday night, and Larry and I haven't been able to get together at the pub to record um, such a chat in regards to a random topic. So we'll pretty much just put the phone down in the middle of the table, Josh, and just talk about the latest goings on because here we are. What are we halfway through June, and we're looking at there's so much excitement going into potential okay Qatari owners or not so much Qatari owners but not the Glazers we're going to have a new season new owners but if we sort of take a step back and look at the reality of the situation it's a new season same owners and I'm just thinking we've seen this dance before in regards to how that does attract how it affects the transfer window I don't share the excitement that I did uh, pre-FA Cup final. Now that we've lost the FA Cup final, Manchester City have won a treble and the realisation that Glazers do have their hands on this transfer window, the excitement isn't unfortunately there. Look, I, I agree. I think in every time we, we see a recurring pattern with this type of theme and obviously the Glazers have always been there. They've been there for the past what feels like 15, 20 years now and you get a sense of positivity around the club and it, that, that overshadows the negativity, which is the glaze. We had Eric Ten Hag this year and you know he's done a, probably a magnificent job. I think we can all agree. Won one trophy in contention for another and coming into next season now when the transfer window's opening, it, it really highlights the problems that the Glazers have caused and the implication of course. A, a prime example of that is obviously David De Gea's out, out of contract and the high salary cap, which you know, probably was a consequence of Glazer ownership and the philosophy that they had, especially during the Woodward era, that's having long-standing implications. Mason Mount, a player that, you know, with the right ownership, probably would have been accepted for about 30 or 40 million, but because United have bought players for 50 plus 60, 70 million in the past, that's a new wave of, of acceptance. And it's, it's, you know, United can hold a stance and be firm on this and that may be a new approach but you just think you know well, they're going to how start. does that new approach happen like how does this get fixed because the issue <laughs> the, the the fix is okay walk away from players and don't pay that premium and sort of okay draw a line in the sand okay we're not going to be bent over a barrel however we're in desperate need for players so you we're in a position because of the false the mismanagement in previous years we do have to keep spending play, spending big money on these players. We do have to overspend because if we don't overspend, we're going to end up with zero. We're going to end up with Vekhorst on loan. So I'm just thinking a line does need to be drawn. We do need to change our ways. But really in the situation we're in, we're not in a position to change our ways. Not really. I think we're going to see the same cycles that we've, 
that we've had over the past few years. I mean, I, I, I looked at it quite positively at the st- maybe two two or three weeks ago when we looked to be making moves to players and you think even though Mason Mount, may or may not be the right player for United, but at least something was getting done quite early on as opposed to two weeks before the transfer window ends, which is what which is what we're used to. But look, drawing the line on it, we probably would be, will be in the same position that we have been for many, many transfer windows where we're waiting for players towards the back end of back end of the window. Look, in my opinion, I always think to to start a new approach, you have to be you have to be firm and you have to be ruthless. You can't sort of break away from habits for the exception of one player. If it means a negative transfer window again, so be it. The Glazers are on their way out. It might be a process, but the ball's in motion for new ownership, and that's ultimately all I all I've wanted for the past ten fifteen years. What sort of role or influence or just just your current sort of feelings towards Eric Ten Hag in regards to his thinking behind this because a lot of us draw up sort of worst case scenarios that if he's not happy well he's going to leave well obviously he's not going to leave for Barcelona anyone soon but if he gets one or two things that he's not happy with eventually he will start to look at an exit door so just your feelings towards Eric Ten Hag now he knows that like all of us that this will come to a conclusion at some stage and the Glazers will leave well we assume they're going to leave at some stage so he will see light at the end of the tunnel but also his job is on the line. If they hung him, hung him out to dry before they leave, um, it's, it's his sort of neck on the chopping block. So I'm just seeing, just what do you think he's feeling in, in and around this situation? Look, I think deep down he's probably feeling a little bit of disappointment. He'll never never publicly air that. He's not the type of manager, you know, like the managers we've had in the past with Marina that would publicly air that discontent. But I don't think he's, he's going to be too pleased with the first season in terms of the signings. But, well, especially... If, in the winter the signings that he's acquired I think Casemiro was a bit of a lucky find like we're very very naive to think that he was our first choice option he's turned out to want to be one of our best players this season but he wasn't we've seen the the circus with the rejections with Rabio. Um I can't remember who else but there was a lot of I mean there was Timber there was well actually it goes in as I said um, this audio only podcast will sort of have these sort of sort of quite sort of broad topics but um, today as we're sort of trying to rush out an episode we're just going to chat about the general news and the conversation could go wherever you mentioned there and the name you sort of alluded your mind was Anatovic in, in regards to that's who Manchester United and Eric Ten Hag were in for then Twitter obviously got a hold of previous sort of racial charges or whatever I forget what it was but there was a big backlash public backlash against the Arnautovic signing and it did look quite advanced it looked like he was going to sign for Manchester United then there was this public backlash on Twitter and Manchester United then distanced themselves where I want to sort of go into here and we've sort of had different discussions around this one um Anyone who does tune into the podcast definitely knows my feelings towards him. But Jordan Pickford, I just want your thoughts in regards to that, the way Manchester United fans dealt with the Arnautovic. Now, for obviously different reasons in regards to there was sort of a racism element to it in terms of sort of formed our opinion that Jordan Pickford hasn't done anything like that. We just sort of questioned him on his goalkeeping ability. I just have a feeling, whether there's legs in this Jordan Pickford thing, I'm not sure. Let's say there is. If this was to eventuate and sort of go further down the track that it looked like Jordan Pickford was to sort of potentially sign for Man United, I think you would see, maybe not to the not to the extent, because obviously racism is far sort of more serious than someone's goalkeeping ability, but I think there would be a serious sort of public backlash on Twitter not to sign this guy. And that's probably, that's probably the wrong thing. He's a, he's better goalkeeping than all of us, so who are, we to, who are we to say anything about it? He's England's number one, for God's sake. So there is obviously something there, but... Just a lot of us do have a sort of perception about Jordan Pickford, which I definitely do share. So just your thoughts in and around um, the Jordan Pickford. So to just tie all that in in regards to fans, Eric Ten Hag, Jordan Pickford, Glazers sort of thing. 
Look, I don't think he's the right player for United, but I think he's the type of the, the caliber anyway in terms of what Eric Tenham looks for in a goalkeeper that he's the type of goalkeeper he would be looking for. There's better goalkeepers than him out there that he can pick from. But look, in all honesty, Jordan Pickford, he's, I don't think he's performed terribly in, in some very poor performing teams. Obviously, there was Sunderland first and then he got the move to Everton. Um, I don't think he's been Everton's worst player by, by a stretch. I think he's made, you know, I think he's some good stats around him this year in terms of saves made and and also distribution as well. He's, look, he's, for me, I'm not a fan of him. I always joke that he can't touch the crossbar and I stand by that. Well, well stop, but, stop praising him, you give him too many good stats. No, but like he's, he's, look, he's not, I, I can see, I can see why we're linked for him. Like it's not the most far-fetched transfer, transfer rumour I've heard. He, look, I know Eric Ten Hag, he wants a player that can, that can play out from the back. <laughs> we joked about it before, he said he doesn't do it very well. But I think he does it probably better than De Gea does. And you look at him in a good good team, like he has been with England. He's he's not po- he's not performed poorly in competitions, and he's by far the scapegoat as to why England didn't lose. You know, lost a lost a World, World Euros final and and got knocked out in the um, quarterfinals of the World Cup. I think he I think he's performed very well in tournaments and in, on the international stage as well, really well. So you just think with a really good quality United United defence. Might even be be better. Well, you talk about England and England are currently at Carrington, and a, and a few English players are getting potential tours around Carrington. I saw, I saw Luke Shaw showing Declan Rice and Harry Kane around one or two photos. Um, behave yourself, Luke. I, I saw the funny side of it, but in terms of toying with Manchester United fans' emotions, probably not the best thing to do. But in regards to that man, I think fans are trying to distance themselves from the Jordan Pickford rumours. Manchester United have distanced themselves from the Harry Kane rumours. And they've said they're, they're going to walk away from the Harry Kane deal. They don't think it's feasible to go and get him for 100 million. Daniel Levy's not going to do the business. So Man, Man United have cooled their heels publicly. I don't think they have. I think Harry Kane is still target number one. I still think there's a very realistic possibility we do get him. And I pay 100 million for him. Well, that's where the discussion comes from in regards to he's going to cost a lot of money and the age profile, the injuries, etc. I, I agree. Look, it's too much. I agree. But I agree with you, I'm paying it. 100%. I, I've said it for a, a long, long time. Harry Kane is... He's not... I wouldn't say the, fi- the finished product for our team because I think we need a few more players other than Harry Kane. But in terms of Robin Van Persie asking a player that's going to... You know, a clinical player. I know Rashford's had a fantastic season, but an out-and-out striker, a, a Robin Van Persie as striker, a Ruud Van Nistelrooy as striker, someone that's can finish in a box with good service. Imagine Luke, Luke Shaw just pinging every crossing and he's, he's connecting to it every single time and he's you got to remember he's, he's, he's old and he's had one of his best seasons in a Spurs team that have been absolutely shocking this season he's had his best Premier League starts that's well, you know you, something that you, you, you t- take Erling Haaland out of this season and uh, Harry Kane's player of the, player of the year yeah and, and look, I know City fans have had debates as well about you know if would Harry Kane have the same output as Erling Haaland at Manchester City look I don't might not get as many hat tricks, but I still think he'd get relatively similar stats. So what? He scored forty goals. Yeah, relatively similar stats. I mean, I don't think he's playing as many games. He's quite injury prone, but he's you know for his standards this year, he's been pretty consistent on the field as well. Touch wood if he comes to us. He's, he's, he's not... a far better player. I mentioned this on the podcast before. He's a far better player than I ever gave him credit for. He's always I thought yeah, fox in the box, very good goal scorer. Good, yeah, your typical number nine can, can grab you 30, 25, 30 goals a season. 
he's a hell of a player. I don't think people give him the credit. And there's a lot of sort of banter gets thrown around Harry Kane in regards to his ambition. He's won no trophies. And I get all that. But I think that's starting to weigh a little bit too heavy on him as a footballer. I think if you actually look at him as a footballer, he's one of the best to do it. Uh, and I think ultimately take away the price tag, take away no trophies and all this and uh, Tottenham and Spursy. He's one of the best strikers in the world, if not the best striker in the world. That only benefits Manchester United. Yeah, I mean, look, he's the right type of player for United off the field. Yeah. I actually had the pleasure of meeting him myself. He's a, he's a very nice, very nice level-headed footballer. Um, I think he matches what a Man United player should be as well. Definitely. He's the right type of player. He's, he's a disciplined player. Probably be even walking and be captain, in all honesty. Well, uh, I think that's the thing. In terms, not just on the field, but off the field. And now, Eric Ten Hag needs the players to perform on the pitch, of course. But I think that is a huge thing for a Manchester United signing. Can someone come in and deal with the pressure of being a Manchester Can they behave in a certain way? You look at maybe one or two other players in the United who don't behave off the field and the potential ramifications that come with that. So I do think with Harry Kane in terms of... And you never know what the sort of future holds. But in terms of you look at a signing... How's Greenwood going to react when he comes back to a certain thing? We're talking, how's this player? How's Osman going to come in? How's a goalkeeper going to come in? How's the, how are they going to react to a bad performance we know how Harry Kane reacts to sort of bad patching form he comes back and scores 20-30-40 goals a season yeah. so I'm just thinking in regards to Eric Ten Hag needs the performances on the pitch but I'm just thinking the influence from I don't want to say Ed Woodward that's the name that does sort of come to mind but the, the influence of the board let's say Richard Arnold John Murta then unfortunately do have to involve the Glazers in this discussion the influence they have on the likelihood of Harry Kane arriving not just the manager I think I think even still, they'll, they'll, they'll see past there. Signing's got to happen, in my opinion. But because that's what I'm saying. He gives you a guarantee of goals, but that off-field stuff, he gives you a guarantee. And again, there's no guarantee in life, but he gives you close to a guarantee of perfect behaviour off the field. And you look at what other people, unfortunately, can't do. It's, it's, it's something you do have to consider, I think. And if, You look at the past, how many missed recruitment opportunities United have had that have gone on to do spectacular things. Erling Haaland's a prime example. I, I think... Obviously, there was the, the family, the family link that made the turning from coming to United, regardless of if Solskjaer recommended him. But then Jude Bellingham, look at what what he's what he's done at Dortmund as a as a pretty deep blind midfield player as well. Now with a move to Real Madrid, it's just one of them things that United have to get right. And there's no better club for him to sign for this year, where which which is suited to him. Obviously, Chelsea, I just don't think he'd, he'd do that out loyalty to Spurs. Arsenal, just you know, he's a fan deep down, but it's never going to happen. City don't need him. Liverpool are probably, you know, without the Champions League, well, without the Champions League football, they price yeah. themselves out of that. United, showing Champions a, League football, it's, it's a huge. It's, I, I agree with what everything you said there, and that all roads lead to Old Trafford, of course. The other player in this, and, and I don't agree with this, Newcastle. I can't see it, but just with Saudi owners in terms of tempting, I don't see that eventuating, but should they be in this discussion? I mean, I'm not. They bought players, they have bought players last year, but they've just not made that ridiculous signing yet. Could could he be that statement? I I don't know. I mean, you you think he might be a bit too ambitious. And if if Levy's not going to sell. You know, 80, 90 million in Newcastle are going to break their transfer record for him. Oh, yeah, look, I definitely don't see that. But but just, uh, I think people have done. I mean, United have spent 80, 80 million, 90 million on players before. It's not as if it's a a world record gap bid for a player 
that's exceeding what they previously spent. Yeah. We're talking about Newcastle breaking their budget. I think the highest is it is it Bruno Gamirez is like fifty million. It would have to have to be. I think it must be like a fifty million signing, and then they're doubling that to yeah. potentially get Kane. I just I just don't see it. I think I think they'll make a big signing this year in Newcastle. I think really think I think they'll sign a statement player this year. There'll be someone for about sixty seventy million. Well, yeah, look, I definitely agree. I can't see that happening. But just in terms, I think people are sleeping on Newcastle as a bit of a sort of a player in this transfer market. I mean, we look at the Arsenal making a lot of the noise at the moment. Chelsea will be what Chelsea are. Man City will obviously get someone big over the line. Arsenal have got to have that big money sign with Declan Rice, you'd assume. While things are doom and gloom amongst Manchester United at the Declan moment. Declan Rice goes to Arsenal? Yeah, look, just from what I read on Twitter, and that's not where I should be getting my information from, but just from what I read, it does look like it's, it points that direction. Look, if City want him, like it'll be. Look, that makes sense. Um, football no, doesn't always sort of plan out, play out that way. That, that should happen if Declan Rice wants that. Immensity want that. That that will happen. It just, it just don't really doesn't really have the momentum um, as the Arsenal story. Now I think there is a long way to go with that one. Um, but in regards to a long way to go, I tie it back to Manchester United. It does look at the moment, and these things, as I said, there's always sort of twists and tails, and by the, listen, by the time you listen to this, it might be a different sort of story. But the one that has the legs at the moment is Mason Mount for Manchester United, and I think all of us share the same view. Okay, decent enough player, good player, would contribute to the squad if he performs well. Yeah, he's a good player to even have in the starting 11. But we're starting to look at his contract situation and the price tag, and not just the price tag, okay, players are what they are these days. But when we, as unfortunately as Man United fans, underglaze our ownership, we have to look at that price tag and think, well, okay, if we're having to spend an extra $10 million on a central midfielder, does that mean we have to minus $10 million off a centre-back or minus $20 million off a striker? So I'm just thinking how that eats into our budget. Just your latest thoughts on the Mason Mount deal as a whole. It's a tough one because I always like good English homegrown players. I think it's good, it's good for the club, it's good for the reputation. It's good for them as well. If I have to prioritise anything, what we've needed this year is a striker. So I'd be breaking the banks to get Harry Kane, even if it's even if it's 120 million. Yeah. It's, it's stupid money. He's not got many many years left him as an out and out quality striker. He's probably got about what let's say, how much do you reckon? Two three years. Consistently. What, what do you think, Eric Ten Hag? In terms of Eric Ten Hag, if he has to prioritise something in regards to he knows winning is winning and a project and a process can only last so long and especially a job like Manchester United it can look good and you can know deep in your heart it might pay off in three, four years time and you'll be the best team in the world but Manchester United fans and the Manchester United board and the sponsorships and everything they don't allow for three or four years down the track you have to win tomorrow but I'm just seeing Eric Ten Hag's makeup as a manager is he willing to go all out for results next season or is he still under the impression of it's a process and it's something I want to build I'd rather sort of sacrifice that Harry Kane if I can sort of strengthen two or three other areas I think he I think he'd be looking to win something now now, now that he's had that taste of trophies taste of the trophy with the, with the League Cup and obviously being in another domestic final you know United are pretty you know good enough good enough to probably compete on the big stage maybe the gap's well, at the moment, without these signings, the gap is still going to be heavily present next year if we stay if we stick with the same team. Also, as well, teams like Liverpool won't be as bad as they were last season. Teams like Chelsea, debatably, well, shouldn't be with the quality of players they have. They shouldn't be as bad as they were well, last well, season. They're going to get better. That. We need to get better. Well, we say that and look, I completely agree. But there's always a team. You just go through the numbers now. There's going to be six, seven teams fighting for that top four. So quick maths suggests three teams are going to miss out and so-called have failures of seasons yeah. so I'm just saying at the moment I predicted I didn't think the season would pan out how it did 
But at the start of last season, I thought if one team was going to drop out of that sort of top four, it was going to be Chelsea. I didn't expect the top half of the table drop out of. But in terms of just the makeup now, and a lot of things are going to change in the transfer market. United might have a brilliant transfer window. We might have a shock one. Who knows how it will play out. But as things stand now, with the foreseeable future in front of us, who do you think out of the big teams is maybe going to struggle the most? It, and it could be United, who knows? But well, just, I think at the moment, us, if we don't yeah. say if we don't say Cheers, anymore. Josh, thank you. Well, look, do, you, do you honestly disagree? Do you think... Yeah. Do you think the no, same, yeah, no, I don't disagree. With, That's... The same, with the same team, yep. without, without signing those core policy areas, because I don't think Rashford's going to get 30 goals again next season, playing in that same team. Do you, th- do you think he's going to get the same? No, well, uh, we've been very lucky with injuries. I, I think, and this is saying with the utmost respect, it's kind of, and I think Rashford was brilliant this season. It was kind of when you when you look at the facts of the matter and how he performed and that, where the goals came, it's kind of a miracle he scored thirty goals this season. But like his performances and the, the way we played, the way he was set up, it didn't warrant a thirty goal sort of season. So um, he's definitely well. Fingers crossed he can. But in terms of if it carries on the same way, there's definitely no chance he's going to score the thirty again. You hopefully those sort of spread amongst the team. But look, you're probably right. Maybe I just don't want to admit it. I'm trying to sort of keep some type of hope and positivity. But you're probably right in regards to what other teams will do. Now, is that enough for us to drop down like Chelsea? Probably not. Well, fingers crossed, not. But definitely out of the top four. And then, but that's what I'm saying. If you drop out of the top four, Ericsson Hugs then looking at his job. Exactly. Yeah, and that, that that's why we need to we need to invest in the players that we're, we're, we're you know we're heavily well I'd say one of the main players we're heavily linked with, which is an out and out striker. Rashford plays does does play well with with Kane when he when he when he's England. And in all honesty, we, we can't be heavily reliant on loan players. Ericsson's not going to be as consistent as he was last season in terms of game time. He's he's not you know at the early age early stages of his career anymore. He's not going to be a player that you know you can consistently rely on to play sixty minutes every game. He's he's going to fall fall at the wayside towards the towards the end of next season. And obviously, Sabitzer's was good to an extent, but Sabitzer, we'll start to wrap up there. Just on Sabitzer, what do you? Just your hunch, because there's no news around. There's no inclination of what is going to happen. But I kind of throw him into the. I'm not going to say he's better than Mason Mount or worse than Mason Mount or the same player or a different player. But just in regards to it, just seems like Sabitzer is not a Manchester United player now, and Mason Mount is going to be. I'm just thinking, where do you see the situation? The situation around Sabitzer unfolding. I feel bad for him because it's kind of like if we don't sign Mount, we'll probably get him back, won't we? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I think that's part of it, though. I, I think in regards to, I would almost I'll take him as a player. I think he was a very good player, so so I would sort of welcome him as a signing. If we had to go out and buy Sabitzer, which would obviously have to unless you extend the loan, which I'm, I'm not sure is possible. But let's say we go sign Sabitzer as a footballer, 20, 30 million, whatever it is, I'll tell you, I think he adds to our team, which is good. But just in regards to the context of the, the whole situation unfolding, if it's at the detriment of a new signing, a Mason Mount or a Frankie de Jong or whoever that may be, it's kind of... What's, what's the issue with Mount as well? So what with, with Chelsea, you think a really good homegrown English player, loves the club as well, is a fan of the club. Why are they not giving him a new contract? Why are they not... Why they're not signing it? I just think, or, yeah, I share those same questions, but you just look at the mess the owner has put them in the last year. They simply had to sell players. Is it just offload, or surely it has to be? Like, and look, I know we need a Chelsea fan on to sort of give a balance of the books and a deeper analysis of what's happening. But just my look from the outside, it's just simply that, in just sort of financial fair play in terms of sort of meeting those quotas and meeting those requirements. Um, I think the Chelsea fan base is quite interesting, especially online, and Manchester United have the same thing in regards to online fans and match-going fans. 
and Mason Mount, I think, has sort of been the face of a lot of criticism at the moment amongst Chelsea fans in terms of the criticism we see. But if you hear a lot of the sort of, I don't want to say proper Chelsea fans, you always hear the term proper Chelsea, etc., and not say match-going fans are the proper fans compared to online fans, but a lot of the match-going fans and people from in and around Chelsea, they're the ones who really stick up for Mason Mount and say yeah. that there's something there. And I'm just saying, I don't want to say I value someone's opinion over someone else's, but deep down, uh, I think we all sort of have these tendencies and I will tend to sort of... Sort of uh, yeah, I tend to value their opinion a little bit more than sort of just people sort of throwing their toys out of the pram on Twitter. And a lot of those sort of, as I said, proper Chelsea fans... They really, they really like him out. They think this is a sh- shocking deal for Chelsea. I mean, yeah, it's it's a, it's a strange one. Whenever someone, I wouldn't say lack of good quality, but because I don't think he's, I don't think he's a world class player, but someone that's a really good player that you know the club's looking to offload, you often you often question it. And I think we're a little bit skeptical when Casemiro first came to United. Like, how have we managed to land that one? Is, is he like notoriously injured? No, it's just part of a notoriously terrible, dis- terrible disciplinary record. <laughs> um, but he's been, we can all we can all agree that he's been fantastic signing. Will he be the same again next year? I, I probably don't think he'd be as consistent just because he's again he's a player that is getting old. I remember watching him in um, I think the Cup Winners Cup final. He scored against us against Real Madrid. They wore the black kit. That's, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. He scored against us. Yeah, um, he was he was quality that game. He was match that game. And I remember a bit. I don't, I don't know if he scored, but I remember being man of the match. Score, yeah, he, he was man of the match. I remember that. He's um, quality player, and you're thinking maybe Mount. It's just a case of, of business. Yeah. They, they've got themselves in a real shit financially, and they need to offload players because a lot of players will have to leave that club. But again, I'm I'm so surprised they they finished as, as poorly as they did. Just with the, the yeah. players like that were starting every game, it was like. Uh, a, a cut B World Eleven team wasn't it really when you go on FIFA and you play the best sort of players well, we start and this is sort of opening a can of worms to a wider discussion and maybe something we can have in more detail at a later date but we starting to get a little bit lazy as football fans in regards to we're seeing names on paper and we say okay or this team against this team in terms of yeah, who would have seen a situation where Brentford beat Manchester United 4 0? Well, we see the Man United name against someone but even with players now we start to look at a player oh we know him because he's played here Suddenly, so the gap between those lesser-known players and the world-class players is very sort of... It's getting quite narrow. And those players at the bottom of the league are actually very close to the level of the players at the top. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, United, a testament to that in 2015 when we signed Falcao and, and Di Maria. We thought we were, like, getting world-beaters. And then a lot of the games... Look, we were fantastic against the bigger teams that season, but against the really ordinary teams, we were humbled. You mean, look at... I always say this look at the MK Dons game you look at the Leicester game the first game of the season we lost to Swansea 1-0 we were just made to look really really ordinary against teams that weren't you know world class performing teams and there's definitely an element of that this year United some of the performances that we've had away from home I know we've I forgot we didn't win a game against the top the top 8 teams and those top 8 teams were you know, ever changing throughout the season but even against some of the poorer teams down at the bottom, it, they weren't easy games. Bournemouth, you know, what was that one nil, and they, you know, they had they had a couple of chances when they hit the bar. Wolves as well away from home. And last, you know, it was a rash. It took Rashford to come off the bench, but they had their chances as well. You know, no no game, no game anymore away from home, especially is a, is a certainty, and it's kind of a mad record if you think about it. Do you remember we were talking two years ago? United unbeaten at home for 
a ridiculous amount of time when it was post-COVID and there was no fans. And now we can't even win it. We can't really run away from home anymore. And now it's Old Trafford, which is where it should be, is yeah. a fortress. And I think if if Ten Hag can be great, you know, can be proud of it, an additional thing besides a trophy, it's the state of those first two games at Old Trafford or the first two games of the season and turning Old Trafford again into a fortress because that's one step of the journey back to the top as well is to make sure that you're a solid team at home which is something that I've not seen for a while now I go into every game at home thinking you know what we're probably going to win and that's how it should be yeah definitely it wasn't even a consideration back 10, 15, 20 years ago it was okay man you're on the telly okay we'll, we'll watch Manchester United win yeah. and now we're watching or hopefully we play well so 50-50 sort of coin toss on who is going to win so fingers crossed those days do return now when we started this podcast about 25 minutes ago, um, I did not think we'd hear the name Falcao pop up, but it has popped up. So I've got two questions to, to wrap up the podcast with. We'll start on the Falcao one because he's my answer to this. I believe he's my answer to this question. But post Fergie, uh, maybe maybe you can put it um, during Fergie's era as well, but let's try and keep it post Fergie because it's been a sort of pile of shit since then. What is the signing that has caused you the most disappointment, just in the individual himself, just in regards to the expectation? Now, obviously, I think the big one, obviously, we do look at Alexis Sanchez in terms of how that um, unfolded, how good he was at Arsenal, how it unfolded at United. So Alexis Sanchez, I think, is an easy answer. But besides him, now maybe it is him. Feel free to um, nominate him. Oh, no, he he disappointed me so much. Dean Marie, look, <laughs> weigh them up in terms of how bad that they all were. Dean Marie definitely goes in that category. Just in terms of like the the history and the expectation, and I think Falcao was I, the best striker in the world. Like I remember watching a compilation of him. It was just like eight minutes, and not just eight minutes of goals. But it was yeah, but it was eight minutes of like bicycle kicks. And I just thought this guy's going to come in and score four goals a game, and he came in and he couldn't. He couldn't run. He, he kept slipping over every time the ball came near him. It was like he's wearing slippers. And I'm just thinking. What could have been like he had a great chant. The fans took to him. He gave his all. He he, he sort of gave a hundred percent. You couldn't question that. But he just turned in from the world's best striker, and that unfortunately had that knee injury. But the world's best striker to potentially the worst striker in the league. It was crazy. Yeah, I mean, there's there's, there's a fair few. I mean, Falcao's you know quite an obvious one. Probably not for me the most disappointing. Di Maria. I mean, if I could pick one for for every manager for Moyes. Actually, I, I like Fellaini. So. Well, well, we're going to do, I'm going to do a podcast with Rob. I'm sure Rob's listening. We're going to do a podcast with him at some stage in regards or post-Fergie well, 11. Wilfred Zaha, well, that was a Fergie signing. That's, that's always a good trivia question, the, the Wilfred Zaha. Yeah. Who was Ferguson's last signing and what was unique? Well, say because it's the Moyes here. Wilfred Zaha for Moyes. For, for Van Gaal, I'm going to say Di Maria. For Mourinho, I will say probably Alexis Sanchez. For who's, who's next? It was uh, Solskjaer. for Solskjaer. I forgot who, I forget who he signs. If I'd say anything, I'd probably say just in terms of the step downwards and what we're seeing from like a captain. I'd yeah. probably I, say, I, I, I think it would have to be Maguire. Just... But the difference as well, I think, in terms of what you see for England versus what you see for yeah. United and the, the, the confidence. And I don't know if it's our fans and the, sort of the irony. I've not seen anything similar since Fellaini was here when you have the ironic cheers when he when he comes on can't be good for, for confidence and then for Ten Hag simple Valt Vekost I think but I don't think I had too much expectation when he came on loan it's very interesting looking at the Vekost situation because we all understood why he came in and the situation around him we sort of got behind him 
and then I think we're in a little bit of good form when Veghorst arrives. So, so we'll, we'll scrape a positive. So good touch for a big man gets around the pitch. I'd say it's a B class at Garlo because at least at Garlo, a Garlo like just loved to be there. He was just yeah. happy to be involved, and he just got uh, involved. Look, uh, uh, Veghorst had that. Veghorst gave one hundred percent. I think deep down, uh, uh, he he's a Liverpool fan, unfortunately, and that did sort of weigh on a little f- uh, on us fans, I believe, in terms of that touch of the this is this is Anfield signed. He still follows Liverpool and Liverpool supporters page on Instagram. Yes, I'm sad enough to have checked. He does, so I think there's no hiding from the fact, and we can see through his story um, that he's a Liverpool fan, unfortunately. But it, but he's given his all for Manchester United. That's all we can ask for. But I go back to yeah, Marwan Fellaini when I do that podcast with Rob in regards to post Fergie eleven. I'm thinking I would have to fight tooth and nail to keep Fellaini in that. Yeah. Oh, I think he has to be, just in regards to his contribution, he would. So I'm um, definitely stay tuned for so that. It's a very tr- crucial goal, Fellaini. He's one yeah. of, really one of my one of my favourite. I didn't never thought I'd say this. One of my f- favourite uh, B class era signings. Yeah, no, no, I, I share that sentiment 100. percent And to wrap up the podcast, not a discussion around it, just a quick five seconds, almost a, a quick fire question. The ownership, one your want, and also what you no, not even your want, just your preference. And also what you think will eventuate in regards to Sir Jim, Glazers and Qatar? Preference would be the Sheikhs in Sheikhs Yassim. Um, I think reality, Glazers will just pull out and disappoint us. And do, you, do you think that's a real possibility? Oh, I, I don't know, but you just have that. You just think this is going to be like... They've planted the seed, you know, a year, it feels like a year ago now that they were, that they were going to put the club for sale. And I don't know, I just feel like I'll be married and have kids and... They'll still be up for sale. Look, unfortunately, it does have that feel now. I'm sure that's... I read an article now. The article went way of my head in regards to the, the dialogue in it, but um, it was on the lines of the Glazers would find themselves in real trouble if they didn't go ahead with this sale in regards to sort of the legal ramifications sort of thing. It's, you just look at the stock market. I'm sure all of us are checking it. Even if we don't know, have a clue what's happening with it, we're always checking it. $23, $24, whatever it is. So um, the Glazers... I mean, are they going to be like... It's, it's not the type... Do they need United? It sounds like the the, Tam- the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not doing too bad from a financial perspective. I don't keep too much tabs into that, but you just think that much resentment from the, from pretty much, I'd say... I'd say 99% of the fan base. That's a fair sort of statement. It does not want him now. Why would you? Why would you stay? Well, even well, where would you find the one percent? Do you think you just put one percent as in people just wouldn't yeah, exactly. be? Oh uh, yeah, okay. To be fair to them, I was thinking maybe people who just aren't aware, maybe like well, kids. Yeah, just, just like maybe you know the younger generations that don't. I say that's a stereotype, so apologies. But like the generations that don't really, really see like the bigger picture of the impact it has. Oh, you know, oh, if you just oh, see football, in my opinion, that's that's, that's more than in my look. I one hundred percent. That's more than one percent. Uh, I think that's a huge chunk of our fan base. <laughs> I, I guess to an extent, but I think people, I think a lot of people say Glazer out because people say Glazer out. It's like a it's a phenomenon. It's it's a trend. You you know you're protesting. You don't know what you're protesting yes. about. You ask you ask someone in the stadium. You know, do you know how much? trouble the glaciers have caused us they couldn't give you a you know a start of the debt and look i'm not gonna lie and say i can give you a full quota of how much it, debt they put us in but you know you can be a fan you know you have to do your due diligence and sort of research why you're not like it why why you resent them and sort of the implications they've caused to the club for example pulling money into from our club into another franchise is it's completely unacceptable and i don't think many fans who just go on like they're the Glazer out trend probably see the deeper, deeper implications of what it's caused us, not just in the shirt, short term, but also the long term. You know, a lot of fans predicted 
you know, when Fergie left, you know, when Moyes' first season and the state of the transfers and probably that, that was the first transfer window where we were really disappointed about we got Marin Fellaini on the last day of the season. Some fans probably called the implications. So this is this isn't just like this year. This could be a really long, long time. And you see the success of the teams are having now. It could still be a very long time until we're back up there. And it's something that we discussed so many podcasts. I know you said let's wrap up, but the, the, we've always discussed it. It's getting the infrastructure. And if you don't have the infrastructure, you can win one-off trophies like a, a domestic cup even a, even a Premier League like you can win you, you might be able to win one league but you can't do it consistently and yeah look they're going to get the trophies cancelled but besides the financial unfair play at least City have run correctly yeah, no, that's a, another podcast I'm sure a lot of our podcasts in the next couple of months are unfortunately going to be focused around what Manchester City have done and what sort of might happen there and we can say we won the 2019-20 Premier League or 2021 whenever it was the, 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 that's my big um, sort of question mark over this I don't believe it would be the case but, we'll would, but would it get awarded to second place or would it just be another and void or just be across through the name who got first no, I think we need to uh get back a little bit above Liverpool again so we'll take that <laughs> actually yeah Liverpool would, would actually get a few titles then so fingers crossed maybe we just um, just scrap City's titles but um, look Josh it has been a pleasure thank you for filling in for Larry um, here at the pub if you do enjoy these pub chats as I said these are the audio on the podcast um, please do leave a like or review or a rating whatever your podcast app does allow and um, if you do want to see us on YouTube um, do head over to YouTube just search the United Pubcast and getting sort of involved with all a lot of that discussion will be your match reviews, previews, transfer news, etc. These pub chats will, as I said, just be a little bit more casual. And um, hopefully, everyone did enjoy that. And um, Josh, pleasure as always, mate. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, got to be back on as I said, and hopefully, I'll be back on again soon. Enjoy, guys, and um, we'll chat to you Tuesday or Monday in the UK, Monday night in the UK, Tuesday morning in Sydney next week. But hopefully, everyone enjoyed that, and we'll chat to you soon. Cheers.